I'm Sandra Olwine, pastor at First United Methodist Church in Pasadena, California. And on behalf of our congregation and staff, I want to welcome you to this time of worship. We know that in the season of Pentecost and the days after, we give thanks for the gift of God's Holy Spirit that comes that we might be enlivened with hope and that we might be given purpose and passion for our daily lives. So anticipation that the Spirit will work within us and among us in this time, let us turn our hearts to praise, prayer, and proclamation. We are glad to gather for worship, even as we do so in our different places, because we know that God who is Creator, Redeemer and Sustainer connects us through the power of the Spirit in the love of God through the risen Christ. In anticipation, then, that this God will meet us where we are, please join us in the call to worship. Let us shape a space for the three. The Spirit as breath of life the bread as food of heaven, the love in relationship. Let us shape a space that tangles all three. Through our life and our worship, held in relationship and met here. Let us shape a space for the many faces of God, woven together and revealed in each of us. On this Trinity Sunday, let us shape a space to be found together in worship.
mysterious God, power behind all we see, grace beyond all we know, love before all we meet. We cannot comprehend your majesty, you who knew us before we were born, you who will cradle us after our last breath. We cannot encompass your glory. Instead, we marvel at all the works your hand has made, and we worship and adore you. It seems too good to be true that you would care for mere mortals like us in our messy lives, often caught up in trivialities, that you would mold us in your own image, social creatures with a divine spark. So good we'd rather not believe, rather not see your image in those around us, crying out for love and companionship, rather not see your wisdom underpinning creation, groaning at our want and waste and exploitation. God, above all, help us with our unbelief, our self-preserving acts which isolate and harm. Pour mercy into our hearts and souls, giving us eyes to see and ears to hear. Your gift in every person, every place, every moment. For your greatness is seen in all the world. May our words and actions be our praise of you, reaching up and out into your kingdom, made real for us in the person of Jesus. Amen. Good morning, young Christians. Today, we are looking at a story in the Bible about the prophet Isaiah. Have you ever had a dream about God? Well, Isaiah had maybe a dream or a vision, and in that vision, he saw the Lord sitting on the throne in the temple. And there were angels, and there was smoke, and it was all amazing and maybe a little bit frightening. But in that dream, Isaiah heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who will I send? Who will go for us? And do you know what Isaiah said? Isaiah said, Here I am. Send me. I wonder if Isaiah knew what he was signing up for. God didn't give a long explanation of what this job would entail. But Isaiah was up for the challenge. Whatever it was that God was asking someone to do, Isaiah knew that he was ready, that he wanted to answer God's call. Today, we're taking some time to say thank you to the Sunday school teachers, volunteers, music leaders, youth counselors, all the people who said, yes, here I am, send me when it comes to youth and children's ministry at the church. You know, at the beginning of this program year, back in the summer when we were looking at starting youth and children's ministry in the middle of a pandemic, not sure what all that was going to entail, we asked, who will teach Sunday school on Zoom? Sunday school on Zoom? Children's music on Zoom? Youth group? On Zoom? How are we going to do any of that? We weren't entirely sure what these volunteer jobs would entail, what this year was going to look like, and yet we still had people who were willing to say, here I am, send me. So, to our Sunday school teachers, Pam, Eric, Nancy, Sarah, and Katie, to our children's music directors, Megan, Krissa, and Alan, and to our wonderful superintendent volunteers, Heidi, Betsy, Fiona, and Kathy, we want to say thank you. Hey. 
everybody. I just want to say thank you to the Sunday school teachers. Thank you. Thank you, teachers. Thank you, Alan. Thank you, Miss Nancy. Thank you, Miss Nancy. Thank you. Thank you for everything, Mrs. Nancy. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, church teachers. Eric, I am thankful what you shared with me in the Sunday school. Now I know more about Bible and Jesus. The stories are interesting. I feel more free to read and see something in the class. Thank you. I will remember the time being with you. Thank you so much. And to our youth counselors, John, Sue, and Trish. And our confirmation teachers, Susan, Kendall, Sarah, and Daniel. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all of you've done. Thank you. Thank you for planning all of the wonderful stuff and organizing this crazy year. Thank you for everything that you've done. I really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. You guys have been awesome for this insanely weird year. Uh, you guys have supported us through everything that has been going on. And we just love you guys so much. And we really appreciate you. Some people are called to be prophets, like Isaiah. Some people are called to be pastors. Some are called to be Sunday school teachers, music directors, volunteers. There are so many ways that God calls each and every one of us to minister and serve in the church and the world. So thank you for being willing to say yes. Here I am send me. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for the story of Isaiah and his willingness to serve the Lord. Help us to listen and watch for you and to be ready when you call. This morning we hear from the prophet Isaiah, the sixth chapter, verses one through eight. Listen to the story of God's call to Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him. Each had six wings, with two they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the thresholds shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, I am lost for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
We turn now to listen to a portion of Paul's letter to the people in Rome, chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if, in fact, we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Trinity Sunday falls every year the week after Pentecost, or it has for about the last seven centuries. It stands alone in the order of the liturgical year as the only day given to underscore a particularly confounding and complicated doctrine of the church. You know, other beliefs like the incarnation, resurrection, eternal life, you know, are also doctrines which we regularly explore Sunday after Sunday. But the doctrine of the Trinity arose in those first centuries after Christ as the church grappled with how to understand and explain God, Jesus, and the Spirit as all part of the same singular God, creator of all that is, witnessed to in Scripture. Now this was no small feat or struggle in a deeply polytheistic world. But the mystery of one and three and three and one became a core proclamation for the church on the very nature of God. The struggle over how to explain it, like other doctrines, split the church over the years with differences over literally one word and how it was understood leading to separate denominations and traditions. You know, Mahatma Gandhi once said that this doctrine of the Trinity was the reason he could not be a Christian. Well, that and the fact that too many Christians didn't seem very committed to following the teachings of the one whose name they claimed. And it is true that the ancient theological arguments for this doctrine are not easy to understand and they often leave folks today uncertain about its validity, importance, or even its practical implications, and yet ordinands are still asked to affirm their belief in it as central to their call and ministry as clergy. But as a point of testimony, as I prepare to leave and maybe the last sermon I'll ever offer on a Trinity Sunday, I want to share that I am deeply Trinitarian and pray you will continue to grapple with this mystery of faith as you go on in your discipleship, not run from it or ignore it. Now, understand I'm not asking you to get bogged down in philosophical nitpicking about this dogma. But I believe that the doctrine of the Trinity is one of the fundamental assets the Christian story brings to the world's understanding of the nature of the divine, pointing to God as being the first community, relationality being at the very heart of God's own being. Yes, I think that God is the model for how we are called to connect with one another without prejudice or competition, with equity, and always with perfect love. You know, what I have come to believe is that the Trinity is ultimately about how we best know the divine force that both permeates and is beyond all that is. And that force, that force is love. God is the one who loves, the Son is the beloved, and the Spirit, the love shared between them. God in community, as love, seeks to embrace us and to love the world through us.
Now, as I have shared with you before, Augustine once told students who studied the doctrine of the Trinity, lest you become discouraged, know that when you love, you know more about who God is than you could ever know with your intellect. I have come to trust that because it is divine and relational. Love is not content to stay closed upon itself for it is not narcissistic. Divine love wants love to grow and expand and it begins to pour out in creativity. New things come into being. New relationships are birthed. All creation exists in this environment of love. Wesley, well, he called it prevenient grace. And once we recognize that love, feel it within ourselves, know that that love is for us and for others, we discover faith. And Wesley called that justifying grace. And then because it is divine love growing within us through the spirit, we like God need to share it, to be in relation with others as God has been in relationship with us. And so we begin to be the body of Christ, the embodiment of God's love here on earth. Wesley called that sanctifying grace. Now, such an explanation of the Trinity may not meet the bar of deep philosophical thought, but I do think it helps us imagine and remember as David Lose once wrote, the whole point of the Trinity is that God's love is too big, too immense, even to be described as the love of a single person that it is more like the love shared among a community, a love so deep and wide and encompassing that it can't be contained, but rather spills out from the Trinity into the whole world and into our lives. This love, which is immeasurable and beyond all endings, is always seeking more love and so pursues us so that love might grow in you and me, in all of us, in all of creation. That is what I believe Paul was trying to convey in the portion of Romans 8 that was read this morning. Through the Spirit and out of love, God has adopted us as God's own beloved children who now are heirs of all good things. God says, in essence, you belong to me. You belong to me. Not out of our choosing, not out of our behaving, not even out of our believing, but because God is relational and exists in relationship and desires relationship. We're not just heirs because of Christ, writes Paul, but we're co-heirs with Christ. And this means that the gifts of life and community and love, the gifts of the kingdom, are ours just as they were Christ. And the gift of serving others, loving them as God has loved us, is also ours. Not because we're seeking to earn God's love through our acts of mercy, compassion, and justice, but because we have been incorporated into God's love so that it flows out of us into the world as it flows out of God's very self. So yes, we become witnesses to the Trinitarian nature of God each time we embody or incarnate God's love in the world. I have preached this again and again and again and again and again and then again one more time. For at the end of the day, there is no more important call on our lives than this call. To be grounded in love, to embody love, to be perfected in love. And this love, when we live it then, calls us to action. It invites us to be witnesses in word and deed so that it, love, continues to expand.
A few years ago, the most reverend Michael Curry caught the attention of the world when he offered the sermon entitled, The Power of Love, at the royal wedding. Now, there really wasn't anything earth-shattering about the content of that sermon. Not really. But it was a global platform, and he began his preaching with a Trinitarian blessing. And now, in the name of our loving, liberating, and life-giving God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then he reminded all that listened that if it isn't about love, it isn't about God. And he invited people to imagine homes, communities, businesses, governments, to imagine this tired old world, as he put it, if love was the way. He said, when love is the way, then no child will go to bed hungry in this world ever again. When love is the way, poverty would become history. When love is the way, the earth will be a sanctuary. When love is the way, we will lay down our swords and shields down by the riverside to study war no more. When love is the way, we actually treat each other like we're actually family. When love is the way, we know that God is the source of us all, and we are brothers and sisters, children of God. When love is the way, that and much more comes into being. And as those who belong to God, our work is not done until love is the way everywhere which will mean being willing to confront all the places, the powers and principalities that stand in the way of that way. And it could mean suffering with Christ so that the glory of God can and will be revealed. When those of us who seek to follow Jesus recognize that God not only loves us, but makes us heirs with Christ. When we remember we have not been given a spirit of slavery to fear, but rather a spirit of adoption to love, we can address the brokenness, isolationism, violence, fear, and apathy that exist in our world now. When we grasp what love and relationship has the power to do and claim that power as a gift offered to us without price, Miracles can happen. And that, my friends, is what I want more than anything for you to believe and then to live lives that reflect that belief. Now, the prophet Isaiah's vision we heard this morning provides for a signpost that guide us as we seek to believe and live as co-heirs with Christ. First, in his vision, Isaiah encounters the first person of the Trinity, the Lord of hosts, the divine other, lifted so high in glory and splendor that even the seraphs must cover their faces. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, they proclaim. The whole earth is full of God's glory. But I want you to note that this God whose glory fills creation actually meets Isaiah in his very real and earthly life. As scripture tells us, he received the vision in the year that King Uzziah died. We so often just sort of read over that, but it's not an unimportant reference. According to scripture, Uzziah was the king who ruled Judah for 52 years, bringing the kingdom to new heights of economic prosperity, military power, and political influence. But Uzziah also forgot that he was an earthly king and challenged the sacred worship of the temple and ultimately lost. For as mighty as he was, Uzziah was no match for the Lord. And his arrogance led to his death. Isaiah's otherworldly vision offers a striking counter-reality to the manifold earthly kings and rulers and emperors who have been responsible for tumultuous times and remind us that it is God is present in the real circumstances in which we live. God does not exist loftily above our reality, but is present throughout it, even now. 
in the specifics and particularities of our time that matters when it comes to sharing the love of God in the world. Secondly, in the presence of God's majesty and otherness, we may feel unworthy, not unlike Isaiah who cries out when he realizes he is in the presence of God's very self, proclaiming, I am a person of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips, and I am lost. But here, we see love at work. For rather than condemnation, there is mercy, cleansing, and restoration. Sure that he would be found deficient, Isaiah is greeted instead with a fire of purifying love and grace trumps judgment. And all of this happens in the context of a moment of worship. Sisters and brothers, the world around us right now is broken and unjust as it is, is still filled with God's glory, which is why we gather to worship, trusting that there, there God is revealed to us through word and sacrament, and we are given new eyes to see Indeed, the aura of our worship service is like that of Isaiah's experience before the Lord. We come together to praise God, to confess our sin and seek forgiveness, and there we find assurance of our forgiveness, and we listen and to hear the word and proclamation with discernment. And then we respond to the, the good news with our lives, with offerings and prayers. And finally, then, we're sent out. So sisters and brothers, our worship together matters just as it matters in the courts of heaven. You know, soon you will gather again in the sanctuary to worship in person together. I pray you will honor the God who has brought us this far and be faithful in your praise and thanksgiving. Make worship in a myriad of ways, ancient and new and regular and irregular times, a core value for you, a grounding of your life, of your family's life. For worship is how we stay grounded in love and learn how to embody that love. Lastly, Isaiah's encounter with the living God teaches us that there is no way to know God without being changed. And that kind of transformation leads to service, to work and witness in God's name. This is not just an individual endeavor, but also the corporate practice of a worshiping community in which we are perfected in love as we live it out beyond the doors of the sanctuary. And God asks, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Isaiah, embraced by the God that was, is, and will ever be, responds the only way one who has been fully loved can respond, saying, here I am, send me. Let me go to my world in which terror reigns, in which heartache is deep, in which poverty, oppression, discrimination have the upper hand, and let me witness to your glory, to your power, to your love that brings healing, restoration, and commission. Friends, God's glory is all around us, and we worship that God who is mysterious in nature and yet comes to us in manifold ways, not to condemn us, but to declare to us that we belong and are indeed children of the Most High. And whenever worship concludes, God asks, who will go for us? And I pray you will be bold and brave, saying, I will, we will, we will go to the places terror reigns, oppression thrives, exclusion exists. There we will bear witness to the God who is three in one, creator, redeemer, sustainer. The God that calls us to live as a new community full of glory and truth. So on this Trinity Sunday, Claim the spirit of adoption and live as those whose lives are grounded in love, which embody love and are perfected in love. As you proclaim, here we are, send us.
Amen. Every year, the United Methodist Women uh, take a time to really give um, a special award, what's called the United Methodist Women's Special Mission Award, to members of the congregation who are, um, really represent what it means to serve, uh, to serve Christ, to serve the church, to serve the community. And they decided this year that they just couldn't decide between one person. They had to do two people. And so their honorees this year are Jerry Pullen and this guy over here, <laughs> Kurt Elrod. <laughs> and so um, it was a little hard to figure out how we get him down here, but Aisha said, she just called them both and said, I've got projects uh, I need to go over with both of you. And so on a Saturday, they both showed up. Uh, so we are so grateful that we can get them here <laughs> under this roof. I'd like to ask uh, Barbara Gordon and Marilyn Weilander from the United Methodist Women to come up and to do their presentations. Kurt Elrod has been a contractor for many, many years and helps churches throughout the North District in addition to being a cheerful, willing helper with countless projects here at FUMC and Sky Meadows. It's difficult to list all the times that Kurt has come up to Sky Meadows, it, it, either for an official work camp or with just a small group when something needs to be done there. In addition to doing maintenance work himself at the church, Kurt served with Nancy in so many ways as Tommy, Justin, Jesse were growing up. Kurt provides the vast knowledge and value, valuable background on frequent needed upgrades around the church and is dependable when you, need, when you are needed in an emergency. Over many years, he has worked with different contractors in all aspects of the church improvement and maintenance. Kurt, we are grateful for your many years of exceptional faithful service to our church. Kurt has served as the chair of Building and Grounds and been on the trustees for many, many years. We would like to present you with this mission recognition pin from the United Methodist Women. Nancy, would you please? Pin it on him? <laughs> Thank you, Kirk. Thank you for your many, many years of work and involvement. It's greatly appreciated. <laughs> Our second honoree, Jerry Poulin, is a locksmith by trade and has rekeyed our church locks numerous times to make the system work more efficiently and installed the ring system to assist with video surveillance when folks ring the church office door. However, Jerry's expertise doesn't stop there. Whenever Jerry sees a problem, he figures out what to do to take care of the situation, whether it involves climbing up into the attic to check for roof leaks, helping raise and lower the sanctuary cross to change the color of the vestments, figuring out a way to improve a door, improve the lighting in Great Hall, or replacing batteries throughout the church building. Jerry is an integral part of our social service ministry and literally picks up tons of food from the LA Regional Food Bank, both for Friends Indeed and for our social service program. Jerry also provides assistance for projects at Sky Meadows. Jerry is currently the Buildings and Grounds Chair and is on the Board of Trustees. Jerry. Thank you for your always cheerful help and for doing everything that you can to make our church run as smoothly as possible. Meg, would you please pin this mission recognition pin on Jerry for us? Kurt and Jerry, please understand that just because we're presenting you with these pins, this doesn't mean that either one of you can retire. <laughs> we, we appreciate too much to let you ride off into the sunset. Thanks. I wanted to say a special uh, word and then have a prayer. Um, oh, this will be the first time I'm going to start saying goodbye. This is going to be hard. Um, I'm so grateful to both of these men uh, for their help that they've given me personally as, as your pastor. Not only here, because we have called on them both over these last seven years. I don't know how many times they are on speed dial on both my on my phone, when we and they always come um, when we need them uh, here. They come 
but they also came to help me at my house. And, you know, when I first moved to Pasadena, I bought my, my little house over on Vineyard Street. Uh, Jerry came over that very first week and helped me rekey the house uh, to help make it sure it was secure. And then when I was finally getting ready to sell it, I had two cabinet doors in the kitchen that were a disaster, and he came over and spent time crawling on the floor and figuring it out and fixing them for me uh, so that it was ready to go and to go on the market. Um, and Kurt also uh, came over during the different times I was uh, building things, but particularly, I will never forget, he and Nancy, when I first got McKenzie, she got out that very first day. I was here and was out, and it was horrible, and I was, and, but they saw it on next door and came running over, and while we were out looking for her, Kurt took off every board in my backyard that was slightly uh, warped and replaced every single board on my fence and then rebuilt part of my gate and blocked it so that McKinsey couldn't get out anymore. And without me asking, he just took care of that. And so um, that's the kind of people that both of these men are, is that they want to serve and they will do so generously and they give their, of their heart. So thank you, because it's been an honor to be your pastor and to be your friend. And I am so grateful for the ways in which you serve the church, <laughs> but have been also been um, helpful for me. So let us uh, pray. God, we thank you for the opportunity to be together as community. We thank you for uh, the servants among us who offer selflessly the gifts that they have uh, to not only serve our community and to make our facilities um, the best they can be, but also who then reach out into the community and serve others so that they become the extension of your love. So we thank you for Jerry and for Kurt, uh, for the ways in which they have strengthened our community and how they have shown your light in the world. Continue to bless them as you bless all of us into the, your service. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Let us pray. Triune God, we know you as creator, example, and spirit. We know you in the created world and in the blessings of each day. We know you in the way that your divine love is made human by the body of Christ when it follows the way of Jesus. We know you in the spirit's still small voice and through the indescribable ways that you guide our inner thoughts and choices. We believe in you because we know you, O God. And so we bring these prayers to you for those we love, for the church you call, and for the whole world. Sustain your people as they continue to worship and serve you in separate places. Encourage each believer and guide the vision of our leaders as they face the tasks necessary for physically bringing us back together as your one body. Hear our prayers for our Bishop Grant and Superintendent Jim. Walk alongside our pastor Sandy as she leaves us to assume the ministry of the superintendency. And prepare our sister Amy Aitken as she approaches the beginning of her leadership here as our pastor. God of all that is, you hold the whole human family in your embrace. Your love for us is perfect, but our care for one another is fragile and often so flawed. Where your will is understanding, we divide over doctrines and opinions. Where you would have us build bridges of care, we have erected walls of exclusion. Where you would have us be peacemakers, we have turned to violence. Our hearts break for the grieving families of those killed in the workplace shootings of our state this past week. We cry for justice and reform alongside those who mourn the anniversary of the murder of our brother George Floyd this week. We are outraged by the naked suppression of dissent and self-determination around the world. The human family seems so broken, O oh God. Help us to use our abilities and our influence our gifts and our resources to bind up the wounds of our sisters and brothers and to transform human greed into a reflection of your generous love. Before you we lift up all who suffer in mind, body, or spirit this day. 
those we love and who are near to us, as well as those that are known only to you. Receive our prayers for all the persons and situations found in today's prayer list, especially our brothers Keith Jones and Calvert Murray, as they each face health challenges in the coming days. Comfort all who mourn, especially those who have lost loved ones to the continuing pandemic. We give you thanks for all those that we have loved and who are now in your nearer presence, in a brighter light and on a distant shore. This weekend we are especially grateful for those who through the years have laid down their lives in the service of this nation. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. May their example and devotion to duty prod each of us to continue building a society that is worthy of their great sacrifice. We pray all of these things in the name of the three in one, the God who we know in countless ways, but none more fully than in the life of our example and friend, Jesus Christ, who taught disciples to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for joining in this time of online worship from First United Methodist Church in Pasadena, California. I invite you to share this service with others or to go back and enjoy past online services and concerts. You can do that by visiting the church's YouTube channel. When you like and subscribe, you can receive free notices of future events and also help others to find this online ministry of worship and outreach. Is somebody graduating at your house? If so, please let your church friends know and help us to honor their accomplishments in worship on June 13th. Please send a picture of your graduate along with the name of their school and the program or degree that they completed to Ashley Slade in the church's office. Her email address is on the screen now. Please try to do that this week if possible. Next Sunday is Sandy Olwine's last Sunday with us and I hope you're planning to come to the church for a celebration of Sandy's ministry here at 11.30 a.m. right after this online service concludes. There'll be a short program with communion in the parking lot, followed by a receiving line and refreshments. Also, it's not too late to add to the cash love gift for Sandy. You can use the church's online giving website or simply mail a check that is marked for that purpose to the church's address. Now, if all of those details flew by a little too fast, or if you've been taking this moment to go get another cup of coffee, no worries, it's all in this week's bulletin. There's a lot more in there too, so please download the bulletin by using the link that's in the video description today or in yesterday's worship email. Thank you for continuing to support the church with your prayers and with your offerings. If you have need of communicating directly with the clergy, please use this email address, connect at fumcpasadena Org. Our online giving website has never been easier to find. You can simply type in the church's uh, web address and then followed by a slash and donate. There's also a link in the video description. Be well this week. Take care of yourself and if you can, take care of somebody else too. And remember, keep wearing your mask.
we do as a community is also gather when we are um, uh, grateful for the life and witness of one of our members in our congregation who is relocating. And after, oh gosh, 40 plus years mm-hmm. uh, here at First United Methodist Church in Pasadena, Fran Banta will be moving at the end of May uh, and relocating to Eugene, Oregon. And so, um, Fran, we were able to gather some friends of the congregation to come and tie prayers into this quilt so that we could uh, send you on your way with love and appreciation for all that you've done. Uh, It has been my pleasure for the last seven years to sit next to Fran in choir rehearsal every Thursday night and uh, on Sunday mornings in the chancel. We're so grateful for the gifts that you've offered over the years to this congregation, uh, your presence and your participation, particularly in the the chancel choir, uh, faithfully singing and offering your gifts uh, during worship. So we want to um, both dedicate this quilt and uh, send you with a blessing. So let us uh, be in prayer. God, we are grateful for the opportunity to gather as a community, to give thanks for being in your family together for so many years. And today, particularly, we give you thanks for Fran Banta and the life that she has lived among us in this place. We especially give thanks for the gifts that she has shared in the chancel choir, uh, lifting her voice in song and praise to you 
and being a part of that fellowship and worship community. We dedicate this quilt and ask that you would bless it and that all the prayers that we have tied into it will go with Fran as a reminder of not only your love, but our love that we send with her. May it be a tangible gift that reminds her always of her life that was lived here and the life that uh, she, when she goes forth, that will continue to be always in your love and that we will be connected by your spirit. So, so even though we are in different places, we will be one people. Bless Fran, make this a safe move, and open up new communities and new people that will welcome her and incorporate their into their lives. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, let me, let me present, present this beautiful quilt. Sarah uh, made this quilt uh, for you, and so we're so grateful and hope that it will be a oh, beautiful reminder for Thank you. Thank you. I okay. love all the colors. Good. Receive the benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen.